0: This is Confessions of a Book Collector. I'm your host, David Headley, and I'll be exploring all aspects of publishing and book collecting, interviewing best-selling and upcoming authors, and sharing insights on inspiring books both new and old. Hello, thanks for listening in, and can I take this opportunity to thank the very many listeners who have sent me messages by email and on social media, letting me know how much you have enjoyed the first episodes. It means a lot to hear how inspiring this podcast is and how many of you have actually gone out and bought books and have loved my recommendations. I also want to thank Lizzie and Gabby for their brilliant work in producing this podcast behind the scenes. Before I introduce my guest today, I wanted to read some of the amazing quotes that have been written about this writer. Rare and very refreshing, a novel where middle-aged women are represented in all their wise, sensual, flawed complexity. I enjoyed it so much, says Marion Keyes. Simply one of the most disturbing thrillers I have read in years. In short, I loved it, right down to the utterly chilling final line, says Gillian Flynn. A propulsive and addictive study of the darkness of obsessive love. I was completely gripped from the first word to the last, says Lisa Jewell. A perfect nightmare of a novel, says A.J. Finn. A searing, chilling sliver of perfection, says the New York Times. Who could these all be attributed to? It could only be one person. I'm delighted today to have Araminta Hall here with me. So, Araminta. Araminta has worked as a writer, a journalist and a teacher. Your first novel, Everything and Nothing, was published in 2011 and became a Richard and Judy pick. Your second, Dot, was published in 2013. You teach creative writing at the New Writing South in Brighton, which is where we met, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: I think we did. Yeah, I think that is originally.
0: Uh, You live in Sussex with your husband and three children, and your new book, Hidden Depths, is a deeply unsettling thriller set on the Titanic. But I won't say anything more about that just yet because I just want to really welcome you first, and then I want to talk to you about... This book and talk to you about your previous books, which I've read, because you know I am probably going to just fanboy you because I think you're amazing. (laughs) I think you're one of the best writers writing today. I love reading your books. As soon as I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking, which authors would I love just to sit down and talk to? And of course, we've become mates, and I don't want to like go over the stuff that we've talked before. But I think a lot of the listeners here will want to hear from you talk about the books in the way that you've spoken to me about your books because you've inspired me and and that's the whole point of this podcast is I think talking to people like you is going to inspire people to go and pick up your books. And anyway, I'm gonna stop waffling. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. I don't know what to say after that. Um, so did you always want to be a writer?
1: Yes absolutely from when I sort of knew what I wanted to do when I knew that wanting to do something was something I mean in fact my husband we met we actually did go to university together but we met after university and he said to me I remember like you know after we'd had a few dates he asked me what I wanted to be and I said a writer and he was like yeah no but what do you really want to be and I was like what no no that's that's what I want to be and he was just like I can't believe you haven't got a plan B. <laughs> and it, was, it was such a depressing moment, at which he was right about. I did have to have a plan B for quite a few years. But um, yeah, that was sort of really stupidly, like the first time that I ever thought I wouldn't be a writer. <laughs> right.
0: The, the thing is, I've had lots of messages sent to me from people who have listened to the podcast and you were one of those very early on people who contacted me to say I've listened to your podcast and you sent me the most extraordinary and wonderful message because I had talked about Danny Mm. Champion of the World and that book meant something to you too.
1: Oh my god I mean when I heard you say that it was so incredible because I've given interviews before where I have sort of glibly said um, oh yeah my first novel was at the age of about 10 I blatantly plagiarized Danny the Champion of the World and actually that's not true because I think I was always embarrassed to say what I had actually done which was when I first read that book and I must I, I can't remember how old I was I you know, I suppose you're about 10 when you first read those sort of books I was so deeply affected by it that I copied it out in longhand into a notebook and I didn't really know what I was doing at the time I remember my father actually asking me what I was doing at the time and I couldn't articulate it but Looking back now, I just wanted to sort of possess it and I wanted to be closer to it in some way. And it felt like the only way of doing it. And it certainly wasn't me trying to own it. It was just literally this sort of deep love for it. And yeah, I have told that story before, but I've always sort of said, oh, yeah, I plagiarized it, you know. (laughs) And it, it it was actually more just this desire to inhabit it.
0: And your message led to me, and I think that's when I realised I wanted to be a writer.
1: Yeah, because it was that thing where I was like, somebody has done this. Somebody's created this world. And I think when you're a writer, you always live inside your head a lot. And I think you probably do from a really, really young age. And um, I just thought, wow, this, you know, the act of physically copying it out made me realise somebody has translated their world onto a page. And that's what I want to do. And I've always read a ridiculous amount, and um, so yeah, it just—it's yeah, it was just—it just seemed like the only thing really that I could do, <laughs> or that I was yeah ever wanted to. to. Yeah, so yeah. it was—it was deeply affecting that book. And actually, since I heard you talk about it, I've thought a lot about why it was so deeply affecting that book. And I think what you said is so true that it's quite a rare children's story, and that we care about the people as much as the action and I think that has really informed everything I've read and written since then is those two things are so important to me
0: yeah and as I said it, it wasn't dark like the rest of Dahl but we, we won't go there again because we I've discussed it but it was just, it was so lovely to receive your message and and to know that that book had affected you too yeah. I do think books bring people together as I've said before and anyway it was really it was such a lovely message and I'm so grateful to I literally it.
1: gasped in my kitchen when I heard you said
0: that I was like, oh my goodness uh, well you know it's true so back to you and your writing career so you you probably from a very young age clearly wanted to be a writer and what a writer you are (laughs) I have read three of your books I've read Our Kind of Cruelty and I've read Imperfect Women and I have read Hidden Depths so let's go back to Our Kind of Cruelty which is a very dark thriller Mm -hmm. every book that you write is very different yeah isn't that annoying? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's annoying. It just shows your your creativity. And then Imperfect Women was one book that I I remember, again, I've talked about books that place you. And and unfortunately, I had to go to France because my husband's brother had died. And I took your proof with me. And I remember being in the hotel room, reading your book whilst we were waiting to be able to go and uh, and view my brother-in-law. And I read your book and it was it was a book that I will never forget reading because of the twists in it. And I wasn't expecting that final twist that you gave us at the end. I kind of guessed where you were going, but I hadn't known how dark you were going to be. (laughs) Um, But the thing I'm getting from your books is your sense of need to give women voices. That,
1: That is I mean, that's exactly it. And I think that it really solidified with Our Kind of Cruelty was the first book where I really understood what I was doing. And I wrote that, I was I wrote Our Kind of Cruelty very quickly actually. And it was just it was around the time of the American elections, you know, Trump versus Clinton. And I just felt like women were being silenced like constantly. I mean, it's something I've always thought. I just felt like women were being silenced so badly. And I took a real chance with our kind of cruelty in that I wrote it only from the male viewpoint and we never ever hear from the woman and it was sort of the whole point of the book that you judge this woman and you've never ever heard anything and I think that's so such a true way of being a woman in our society whether you're a celebrity or a mum at a school gate or a writer whatever you are people talk about you as a woman they talk about what you look like what you eat, what you say, what you, you wear, how you act in, in ways that they don't with men. And I—I I, I, the only thing with our kind of qualities, I think it's slightly backfired. And I got so many letters from people saying how much they hated Verity, who's the woman. And hadn't actually done the thing of working out that they'd never heard from her yet And then I also got loads of letters from people saying, please, please, can you write Verity's story? And so, I mean, part of me feels like maybe I should have at some point in that book flipped it a bit and given us the other side. But I was really, I just really wanted to take readers to a place where they suddenly realised that they'd judged this woman on absolute, well, on the evidence of a madman, which is sort of what we did with Hillary Clinton we judged well America judged her on the evidence of a complete madman but yeah maybe it was a little bit of a (laughs) too subtle a point (laughs) but
0: I I I thought it was a really brilliant book and I and I knew what you were doing and I'm sorry that people didn't
1: well loads of people did and the reviews were all incredible and that was that was really that that was really heartening I just yeah I think maybe well I think actually when you're reading or watching or anything you know obviously people are doing lots of other things at the same time as they should be and so you're not necessarily you, you, we, none of us I think necessarily get everything we're meant to get from books so it's it's the fault of the writer definitely if it doesn't come across I take full responsibility for that
0: <laughs> well within perfect women or in that's what it's called in America and, and, and in the UK it's called perfect strangers there is no doubt about what you wanted to achieve with that you certainly wanted friends to be close but also to have secrets and i don't want to give anything away it's really difficult to talk about your books because (laughs) there are certain aspects of them that you can't mention because that spoils it slightly but imperfect women again just the whole sense like i was questioning my my relationship with people and the way Mm -hmm. that that's what you do like how much of ourselves do we really reveal and how much do we know about someone that we really are close to
1: and how much do we know about ourselves I think that's the I think that's the key of that book as well is that these women are all incredibly close friends and they yes they have certain secrets from each other that are essential secrets but I think they don't realize quite how many secrets they have from each other and from themselves. And I think that is something, I think it's on the blurb at the back actually, that it says that, you know, how well do you know yourself? And I think they all, these women, do things that shock themselves as much as anybody else. I mean, what's interesting is that a lot of those, well, those three women have been quite judged as well by um, readers. And it's always, it always surprises me, in fact, how much people judge women and how hard it is to write a difficult female character without being really criticised for it. It's much easier to write difficult men. Men seem to get away. I mean, the two men in that book are pretty vile and they don't, well, one of them's vile and one of them's just a bit stupid. (laughs) um, They didn't come in for any criticism that I saw, you know, that I got sent. But yeah, people didn't like some of the women at all. Which I found, I found really interesting. I thought, you know, I find, yeah, we still have to, <laughs> we still have to work so much harder as women to be heard and to be liked, really.
0: And the TV option was bought by Elizabeth Moss. Yes, that Elizabeth
1: work? Moss bought the option. I mean, it's yeah, which has been that has been really incredible, and she has just an incredible vision for the book. I mean, for the series, she it's being made into a series. It's being written at the moment, actually and yeah she's just got this incredible vision for it very dark as she does dark and very female led which she obviously does really well so yeah that's That's exciting
0: I I can't wait to see it
1: yes I I can't wait to see it either
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so let's move on to this new book that you've got coming out it comes out in March and it is to my mind and hope you'll forgive me saying this but I think it is your best book yet it is amazing. I certainly
1: forgive you for saying that. <laughs> it is
0: absolutely, I want everyone to read it. Obviously, it's set on the Titanic. Well, obviously, because I've read it and I know it's set on the <laughs> Titanic. But so much about your backstory and your life is set around this book too. Yeah. But more than that, this book is one of those books that it made me so angry and it made me <laughs> so viscerally moved because that's what you want to achieve. And again, it's about a woman called Lily who is on the Titanic with her husband. She's American. She's married a lord who clearly has got money troubles, but he's also not a nice man. No. We have to keep this podcast clean, so I will <laughs> I'll be very careful about the words I choose to use about him. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but on this ship is your great-grandfather, Lawrence. Yeah. So t- tell us tell us the background of this story, please. Well,
1: the My great grandfather Lawrence Beasley was on Titanic, and he he wrote a book about his experiences on Titanic, and which was actually a massive bestseller uh, in its day. I mean, it's a factual book; it's not a fiction book. And um, he was in second class. He was one of only thirteen men to survive. Uh, So it was it was it's a really incredible story that obviously has, you know, as all families do, we all have our stories, and that is one of our stories, except. It is true and um and so it's just one of those things that as a writer I've just always thought such a gift of a story you know I must be able to tell it in some way but I just have never been able to find a way into it and it's it's honestly I have written I I, I couldn't even begin to wonder how many hundreds of thousands of words I've written on this story um and I've done it in so many different ways and I've thought about it in so many I've just I've just tried I've just really really tried and over the years and I've given up many times and written other books and it's sort of always been in the back of my mind and then actually it was my agent who said to me um, I was talking to her about trying to find a way into it and she said to me well when you should just think about what you do like what you write you don't have to write this story about your great-grandfather or the Titanic even, she was like, what stories do you like to tell? And it really unlocked something for me. I was like, yeah, I always tell stories about women and maybe that's why I haven't been able to find my voice here. And Lawrence wasn't a bad man. He didn't do anything nasty to any women. So it was like, oh... So anyway, so I started looking like thinking about the time period and obviously Titanic was in 1912 and I knew the suffragettes were around in that time and Lawrence's first wife I knew also was involved with the women's movement and so I was thinking along all these lines and then I read a story about these women who these rich American heiresses who were sort of almost sold to the British the Brit- British aristocracy was really on its knees financially at that time and um, they'd lost most of them had lost loads of money most of the stately homes that we see now still were crumbling and they would have com- they would have Vanished if it wasn't for this American money and that. Railroad roads were being built in America, which had made these industrialists so eye wateringly rich. And they had these daughters who were worth, you know, when in our money, billions. You know, and they literally would be the equivalent of being sort of, you know, Elon Musk's daughter now or something. So <laughs> there were quite a few of them, and they all were st- wanted titles. So they were. There was a magazine where these women were advertised, and so. Broke British aristocrats would go over to America, woo these American women, take them home. And then once they got them back, they were often incredibly mean to them and hated them and thought that they they were very snobby about the fact that they were American. And I mean, the tales of the things that happened to some of these women are eye-watering. So I just thought, yeah, these women were on board Titanic. They genuinely were. I mean, most of them were travelling first class and most of them did survive, but so you know, in my book. I have managed to make it that they're in second class with Lawrence, and yeah, I just thought this is the story that I can tell. This is a silenced woman. So maybe, maybe this woman can find her voice in at a time when everybody else is sort of losing their voice because they're part of this terrible tragedy,
0: silenced and gaslighted.
1: She is, yeah, but I actually I think she's almost. I mean, Henry, so he doesn't pretend to be nice. There's there isn't a point in the story where you're sort of thinking, "Oh, is Henry mean?" It's not one of those stories, is it? It's like you know from the beginning, he's sort of he's pretty honest about what he is. What he I- isn't honest about is the truly terrible thing that he's done to her, which we obviously we, won't, can't, we can't talk we about can't, that. Yeah, no, no, we no, can't no. Talk about no. Please that. don't give any spoilers. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: it, it, it's not through him that we know that. The lengths and breadth of what he's doing it's his the other characters so Becky and Dr Henderson yeah it's those that we find out the truth of what's going on and that is shocking yeah and it left me feeling I was very angry I was very angry for Lily and um I, I'm not I'm not gonna say more <laughs> I I just want if you're listening to this I honestly just go and buy it just click on it wherever you are on goldswordbooks.com or whichever retailer you use just go and buy this book because it is so incredible it's amazing it's it's so visual as well like being on the titanic you you clearly have done your research because you get the grandeur you get the space you describe the funnels i mean at the very beginning of the book i think lily is looking at the funnels on the boat and seeing how huge they are enormous Mm -hmm. and she's thinking this boat can't sink because (laughs) it's too big to sink yeah anyway everything about that book is i'm i read it ages ago and I'm still thinking about it and so that's how I know when a book is so so very good
1: thank you that's that's really lovely to hear because it is a book obviously that means a lot to me it's very personal and I, I did do a lot of research and it was it was fun research I have to say a lot of it because it's an incredible world to immerse yourself into and I think you also have to be really careful with research don't you as to not put everything that you know on the page otherwise it starts to feel like Overly researched, but yeah, I hope enough has come through. That
0: I, I, I honestly, I, I really loved it, and I'm, I'm assuming James Cameron's been on the phone to you asking if he can do another movie. Is he? No, <laughs> not yet. That's not a cool. I, I, I'm aware of. No. <laughs> I'm sure Lizzie is dealing with it right now <laughs> for you your your agent. So, apart from the brilliant story, I honestly think the cover is amazing too. So, to give the readers a. A visual. It is a lady standing on a balcony with railings looking out to sea. And it's called Hidden Depths, but there's real depth to that cover. It is a beautiful cover. It's quite modern, but yet golden age. And I think it really works. I think the publisher's done an amazing job for you.
1: I mean, that is completely my publisher, my editor Francesca. She worked I mean, she really did work so hard on that cover, and she Rejected so many covers, and she kept on saying, because her vision all along, because it, it is quite difficult. I write contemporary novels, and my next novel is going to be contemporary as well. So it, it is a, taking a bit of a chance to write a historical book, but she got what I was trying to do absolutely immediately, and in fact, pushed it further, and just saying, Of course, this is a historical novel in that it's set in 1912, but it's actually exactly like all your contemporary novels. It has exactly the same themes, and that is how we're always going to market it, which is such a gift for me that she let me do that, basically. And she always thought the cover was really important in that, and she was so right. And, yeah, we waited a long time for that cover, but I agree. When I saw it, I just thought, oh, yeah, you've completely nailed the modern historical sort of slash um concept there yeah
0: Francesca is a, an amazing publisher I, I love working with her I, I know when we go out for lunch or drinks and she says I just want to tell you about a book I know it's a book that I obviously need to read because yeah. she doesn't do it very often but when you when you know that she does it's it's going to be one of her one of her big books and she's <laughs> such a talent I, I, and, and I adore, no, I f- I adore her I feel
1: very lucky to be edited by her
0: yeah. what's next
1: Well next I am oh god I'm on sort of draft 3010 (laughs) of I mean honestly of a book that has taken me almost as long as the Titanic book actually it's a book about it's the same it's the same you know it's my it's my themes it's about a difficult man and two women who are trying to find their voice it's actually set very near to where you and I both live it's set um in Hope Gap, do you ever, do oh, you know yeah, Hope yeah. Gap? You oh, know yeah. the old Coast Guard cottages, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it's literally set on the edge of the world in this very, very wild landscape, sort of almost like a horror movie setting of like no one can hear you scream. But there's a real twist in the middle of the book that upends everything you thought you were reading. And yeah, but of course, things like that are hard. <laughs> and I don't. I'm. I'm a slow writer, and I'm a slow well actually I'm quite a fast writer but I'm a really slow thinker so I come up with ideas and then I have to work through them and yeah I just I write a lot. So you you
0: don't plot then or you do? Well
1: I'm I'm not like a meticulous plotter like you know when people have post-it notes up which I wish I was that person I would feel much more secure but I'm not like a complete like sit down and just go for it and I know my characters really well before I start, and obviously you get to know them much better in the first draft. I mean, the first draft for me is almost like plotting. Like, I know, I never, I don't even show my agent my first draft. You know, I don't show anybody. Although probably the draft that my agent then gets to read probably thinks is a, <laughs> a terrible first draft, but um, but yeah, and then I yeah and I go through a lot of drafts. Sounds
0: like you're a typical author to me. I maybe. hope
1: so because sometimes I I do sometimes lie awake at night thinking everybody must hate me. I mean I no. ask them to read so many words and oh my god all of them are terrible. Well, I think
0: maybe you've heard my first podcast and I and I spoke about some of my clients and every client needs different different yeah. things and. Some people plot and some people don't. And, and you have to write the way that you want to do. And some people write just fluidly and it comes to them easily. And some people it doesn't they always say if it was so easy everybody would be doing it but, but you know if you look at my submission inbox i would say that everybody is doing <laughs> it just at different different levels and, and some people are just not quite thinking it through before that they send yeah. the manuscript to me.
1: i think that might be me i think no, i might not no, no. be quite thinking it through Before i, I think, mean wouldn't it be we all want to be the client who's just delivering a masterpiece on <laughs> without having
0: well <laughs> i think it'd be boring i mean, i said in my my first podcast too that i love working with my clients on books so yeah. Because I, I just get, I get excited. You know, you can see how mm-hmm. excited I am about Hidden Depths. I just, yeah, I get like that when I read a really great book, and I just want to. I want everyone to read it, and then I can talk to people about it. And there, there are certain senses in your book that I, I can't wait for people to read, and I, I really want to talk to them about. It and I can't say anything because I, I will give spoilers, and I, and, and you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But there, there are just certain passages in Hidden Depths that I just think that's so disturbing or that is so beautiful certainly with Lawrence and the thoughts of Cicely his Mm. his first wife
1: yeah because it is I mean it is a a lot of it is a love story really well there are two love stories that run through that book but yeah the the Lawrence and his dead wife which I think was true I think you know from from my research of him and from what I've been told I think you know he was really devastated when she died and she was you know that it was a re- very unusual marriage for its time because she was sort of she was she wasn't an aristocrat but she was like from the big house and lawrence was very much not from that background at all you know he was one of seven children and his father or he worked in the bank and and cicely was older than him as well so it was it was a real love match theirs. So they had and then she died uh, about seven eight years after they got married which is really sad, sad. i mean really sad well, they're but there, not sad for me because I wouldn't be here. She, no, no, no. She wasn't my grandmother, my great grandmother. So,
0: but the, but there is one one scene in that book, and you'll know which one I mean. It's towards the end when Lawrence is asked when he jumps.
1: I know. I do know what you're talking about. Yes. Got me. I, do you know it? Actually, it, it it gets me when I think about it because there is a there is a there is an element of truth. I I can't really say what it is, but the thing that he that he feels is something that he talked about feeling but, but
0: somebody did say that to him did they ask him that um or did you make that up I you think, know when he jumps
1: yeah and oh that t- oh no i made that bit up. right but no the bit before his feeling oh yeah yeah, yeah. Is something that, that he, he wrote about yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't ever write he spoke about it he didn't write about it and that's so that yes no no i made up that last bit because i just a bit of dramatic I know, but it was but it got
0: me <laughs> It really got me. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, this is the part where we're going to go into the confessional now. Okay. It's that time in the podcast where I invite you to enter my confessional and confess to the sins and virtues which adorn your bookshelves. So I'm a confessed book collector and I, you know, love books and I know that you have books. What books are your treasures or what books do you have to read regularly or what books really mean something to you
1: well i yeah i'm the same i have my i'm surrounded by books at all time i have shelves and shelves and shelves of books and it makes me feel ill to think that i might have to get rid of some of the ones i haven't even liked you know let alone (laughs) let alone ones i love my favorite book is a real cliche actually it's rebecca by daphne de Maurier, which is i i know 50 percent of all writers say this but i do think it's a perfect novel it sort of combines thriller with character, with an amazing setting, with an amazing story. I think it's an, an incredibly strong feminist message, actually, which is only something that I only realised reading Rebecca later. I mean, I probably... Rebecca's definitely the book I've read most, and i probably read it about five or six times, I would say. Um, I'm not a massive... I don't reread books regularly because... There's just always a new book that I want to read, but I have reread quite a few classics, like Jane Eyre, A Loss of Virginia Woolf. I've reread and a Prayer for Owen, Owen Meany. I've reread, so books that have really affected me at times. Um, but yeah, Rebecca's the only one I've read more than one, more than twice.
0: And what's do you have a special edition of that, or do you? Have do you
1: know a- I do? My husband gave me for my last birthday a first edition really which is quite incredible it's, yeah. it's one of the most be- it's absolutely stunningly beautiful as well it, it's um, sort of like a maroon hardback with this silver foil that goes all the way around it with Mandalay well you know an artist's impression of Mandalay obviously <laughs> um, in black pen I mean it's, it's absolutely stunning and the pages are too beautiful I mean they're so soft and you know it was it was quite incredible yeah <laughs>
0: So nice to have. I know. And is there anything else in your collection that you love and that you pick up now and again? Yeah, I mean, smell. I mean, not everyone's like me. I smell my
1: books. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I I do love my books very much. Well, I'm a massive Iris Murdoch fan, and the Sea, the Sea is. Yeah, yeah. That's a book actually I've reread a couple of times.
0: Isn't the Sea, the Sea the only one that won the Booker?
1: I don't know, but. I do know that all her books should have won the Booker. (laughs) Yeah, Iris Murdoch is just hard to beat. Also Margaret Atwood, actually, she's someone I've read more than once. And Carol Shields, I'm a massive Carol Shields fan. Unless, I think is one of the great novels written about being a parent, in fact. So yeah, I have a lot of books that mean a lot to me. But I also just have a lot of books that I've just really enjoyed at the time in fact I also have a lot of books I didn't particularly enjoy like I said but I couldn't I haven't parted with them so it's yeah it's a bit of a problem I have books everywhere
0: yeah and I've got books I haven't finished but I I can't bear to give them away they sit on my bookcases and the more books I have and the less space I have I am beginning to resent some of those books taking up space when I just I'm literally running out I don't know where else I can put books in my house now I'm the um,
1: same yeah no we've just had a whole room covered in bookshelves and I filled it almost immediately
0: yeah (laughs) and recently have you read anything that's new that's coming out or something that you just think is really really special Um, you've read recently
1: yeah I I I tell you the book I'm a massive Sarah Vaughan fan right um, and her I think she's just such a smart writer is this reputation yeah reputation is coming out in a couple of weeks I think it's coming out in March sometime and I, I think it's really really brilliant i I think she just combust. I think she really gets what it means to be a woman in the world at the moment. That's sort of the modern fears of being a woman. I think she gets it so well. And in and, politics. Well, and she she packages it in these political thrillers, which are so page turningly brilliant yeah. as well. So I'm a massive fan of hers. And another writer who I think is just incredible is um, Catriona Ward. And I, I was, abs- I mean, Last House on Needless Street was one of my favourite books last year. And I was lucky enough to read the proof of her new one, Sundial. And I think it's even better. I mm. think, oh gosh, it's, yeah, that she really takes my breath away, actually. And I don't read, I mean, I I, I don't know, if, would you class her as horror? I don't know, really. But I, she's, I don't read many books like that. And she is, uh, yeah, I just think it's stunning what she does. She totally plays with your expectations and really makes you think and her writing is sublime as well so those two books I think that's coming out I know it's coming out soon Sundial so those two books are really are my sort of tips at the moment
0: <laughs> thank you thanks for sharing that thank you so much I I honestly am asking, if if you're listening to this podcast, go and buy Hidden Depths, because it is utterly brilliant. And then you can buy those other books that have been (laughs) recommended. Or you can buy all of them and and spend the whole weekend reading. Araminta, thank you so much. I love talking to you. Uh, You're such a brilliant writer. I love reading your books. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. Thank you so much. I loved
1: talking.
0: Subscribe now and follow Goldsboro Books on socials to keep up to date with our latest news and to learn who will be joining me on Confessions of a Book Collector, your new favourite podcast.